Welcome to the Joan Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Vittengel. The purpose of Joan is to draw light towards mental health, to bring awareness and real stories to the trauma that most everyone endures at some point in life, from depression to postpartum depression to anxiety and eating disorders, PTSD, domestic abuse, sexual abuse, addiction, the list goes on and on. Joan is meant to be a place of honesty and connection. Through the darkest days of my struggles, I'd never felt so alone, and I was convinced there was no way out. If you're feeling this way, I hope this podcast helps you to truly understand that you're not alone and that there is so much light at the end of the tunnel. The truth is, there is no right way to heal. But this podcast was created to inspire you to take your own steps towards healing and stepping into your most authentic self. Today I'm speaking with Ashley Wood, woman of many talents. She also has an amazing podcast called Manifest This. She is an international Akashic Records reader, among many other things that she has coming up. And don't worry, we will get into what the Akashic Records are. Ashley and I met on Instagram and she felt called to share her story about postpartum anxiety. Hers is very interesting because much of the health and spiritual community often talk about medication inhibiting gifts or intuitive abilities. But Ashley was in such a dark state that for her, the taking of medication helped clear the dark cloud and open the channels for her to do her current work. She is a big advocate for being your own healer and doing what works for you, not what others say is right or wrong. Okay. <laughs> okay, so we'll start <laughs> on that note. Um, okay, so I'm here with Ashley Wood. I don't even know. I, I always start out the episode like trying to introduce someone, and I'm like, okay, you, I, I'm just going to hand you over the reins. So can you introduce yourself? Yes, absolutely. Thanks, Kelly. I'm really happy to be here, and I am an international Akashic Record reader. Um, I also have a podcast called Manifest This, and my gift is channeling universal energies to support others to step into their own gifts. My entire purpose of why I do this work is to support people of returning to themselves because we've all come to this physical plane in this human body with our own unique gifts to offer. And sometimes we just are a little bit further away from them than, um, than we would like to be. And so the work that I do is to support people and encourage people to come back to themselves of who they came into this life to be and to thrive from that point. Amazing. And we just did a reading, which is kind of challenging now giving, doing an interview after the reading, (laughs) but we're going to make it. Um, Okay. So, and now how old are you? I am 33. And you live in Winnipeg, Canada. I live in Winnipeg, Canada. Yes. Yes. Um, so something I like to kind of start the podcast with is asking you about your upbringing, about your childhood and what that was like. Sure. So I grew up in a small town called Morden um, that's on the border of Manitoba and North Dakota. (laughs) So it's as rural as you can imagine it to be. Um, (laughs) The property has been in my family for over 150 years because... Oh, wow. Yeah. My grandfather, sorry, great, great, great grandfather, I think, founded the town and owned the land and whatnot. So 
Um, my family has been there for a really long time, but um, in terms of my upbringing, my first spiritual teacher was my grandma because she was a card reader and a tarot reader and a palm reader. Um, She worked with crystals. She saw angels. Um, And so as I was growing up, I didn't have any of this with my parents. My parents are very, I don't want to say traditional, but like working the the job and doing the thing, like not at all in tune with this, but my grandma was. Mm -hmm. So I would go to her house and it would be very, um, just normal. Like that was just a normal part of my childhood was, was playing with crystals and stuff. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not something that you would expect growing up where I did and like being so rural and whatnot, but it was totally a part of my upbringing. Okay. Wow. Interesting. And you always felt really drawn to it. Yeah. Because I was a psychic child. Like it was, um, just a part of who I was. I would communicate with, um, deceased loved ones in dreams. And oh, wow. yeah, I would receive messages in my dreams of dates and times of things that happened like in the forties that there's no way that no way that I would know. And I would tell my grandma and it would make sense to her and I would receive messages for other people in my dreams. So I always had this in my dreams and I also never felt like I fit in with people. Like I always had friends and whatnot, but I always knew that I'm meant to do so much more than what that town offered. Like it was kind of mm-hmm. expected that I would just get married, have kids, work at the bank like my mom or be a stay-at-home mom or something or mm-hmm. be a teacher. That was always a thing because there are a lot of teachers in my family and I was just like I can't do that. Like it never I always felt so different and I felt different from my friends and that continued on growing up, like going to university and meeting friends in Winnipeg here and living in different cities and traveling. And I just never felt like I fit anywhere because I wasn't in connection with my gifts and who I am at my core. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like I could live anywhere or do like be with anyone and be completely content within myself because I've returned to myself, as I was saying before. Um, and Mm -hmm. I never really even realized that what I have are gifts. I always thought that they were just kind of weird and like that it made me a little bit weird, but Mm -hmm. I've come to a place now at 33 where I can celebrate myself and understand that this is who I am. And so the more that I'm in alignment with it, the more I have to offer the world, but also the more peaceful I Mm -hmm. feel. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. So when, so was there any significant, you know, we talked about, or we're going to be talking about, um, you talk about anxiety and some postnatal, um, experiences that you have, or that you had, but was there, were there any other like big traumas or anything leading up to where you are now that you feel maybe played into that or, um, yeah, played a part in that somehow, or that kind of, um, played a part in, in, in you doing what you're doing now? Absolutely. There have been so, like my life has been, I'm sure that I know that lots of people can say this about their life and Kelly, I'm sure you can too. Cause you said you've lived in a lot of places and you've done a lot of things and I see my life in chapters. Um, and 
when I was 27, was I 27 when I got married? Yeah, I was 27. And I, my husband and I moved to um, Toronto. And when we were living in Toronto, I one night was making onion rings like trying to fry them. And I've never fried, deep fried anything before. And I didn't know how to do it. And, um, I heated up some oil in a pot and put a lid on top of the oil, which is a big no, no, and turned the temperature way up. And then when I took the lid off, oxygen met burning oil and a fire broke out immediately in our kitchen and our entire kitchen went up in flames within a couple of seconds. And I called, yeah, I called my husband in like this whole thing, this whole moment was probably 30 seconds. And yet it feels in my mind, like it was 30 hours. I called him in and I, we were both just standing there in shock. And I was like, this is how this happens. This is how someone's house burns down. And there was something inside of me that just said, like, take the pot, the burning pot and run outside with it. And we were living on the ground floor of this apartment building. And I just called to my husband. I was like, open the door. So he opened the door and I ran through the kitchen with this pot. Um, and as I was running, the oil spilt down my body, down my legs, my feet, the flames went in my hair, in my face. Um, and so I went outside and like ran with the fire and threw it into the snow because it was March at the time. And my legs had second degree burns and my hair had burnt. And, um, this was, this was the universe really coming in and changing my life trajectory. Cause I had no idea what I was doing. I was floundering. I was going from job to job to job. I just felt like I had zero purpose, zero direction. I was pretty depressed. I was newly married, but had just left my friends and family. And I just, I was so lost. And Throughout this healing time, um, we got to the hospital that night. We called 911 and got to the hospital, and they said they couldn't do anything to my legs because um, I was burnt with oil. And when you're burnt with oil, the oil continues to burn the skin for days, and they can't. That like the the um, I was being treated by the head burn surgeon of all of Canada. And he said, I can't do anything until the oil stops burning, but then we're most likely going to have to do skin grafting. And that was the time, the moment where something in my mind, which I now know were my guides saying to me, you're not going to have skin grafting. You've got this. You can, you can, you can heal yourself. This is going to be totally fine. And so I didn't take any medication, not even that night. Like I didn't even take a Tylenol, no morphine, nothing. I dealt with the pain myself and I'm not saying this at all in a way that I'm against medication because I told you, Kelly, before we started recording Mm -hmm. that I take medication right now for postpartum anxiety. But at the time I was like, I don't, I don't need medication. And so through eating, um, organic fruits and vegetables and juicing like a plant-based diet and just really cleaning up what I was putting into my body within three weeks, my I had made such an amazing recovery. I didn't need surgery. I actually ran a 5K marathon um, five weeks later. Like it was, it was miraculous how quickly I was able to recover. I don't have any scars. I didn't have any scars a year later. Nothing on my face. Like it was amazing. And so at that point, I was like, I have to tell the world about this. Like I have to tell the world the, the the medicine of plants. And so I started a food blog. And 
Um, and through the food blog, I grew somewhat of a, an audience online and wrote for Cameron Diaz's website and did some fun stuff. And then I started to kind of grow tired of what I was doing. Like with any creative endeavor, you get a little bit bored, I think, and you need to shake things up. But I didn't know the direction to shake it up. And then this is many years later, I had a baby and went through postpartum anxiety and that really opened up more for me. But that, that fire was really the first event, the trauma that I had to go through where I felt like I was really knocked down literally on the ground. Like I couldn't walk. My husband had to carry me Mm -hmm. to the shower and I did seek out, um, counseling for the post- post-traumatic stress because I was afraid to go into the kitchen. I was afraid to go near the stove. Like I was, I was terrified, but at the same time I was able to completely change my focus in life. I felt like all of a sudden I had a purpose. I had a message. I had something to give and that changed everything. Like I'm grateful for Mm -hmm. that moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So from there, so you were writing and, and talking about food. Where did, what happened after that? What happened next? Well, I got, like I said, I got bored. <laughs> I mm-hmm. I got to the point where really um, I was very passionate about veganism and vegan cooking and vegan everything. And I'm still, I'm still a vegan and I'm still passionate about that. But after I had my daughter, I, I had um, depression in my first trimester and I didn't know that. And this, how long ago was that? When, when did you have your daughter? In 2016. So she's okay. two, two and a bit now. Um, okay. And I had depression in my first trimester and I didn't know that that was common. It actually happens to one in every three women. People just don't talk about it. So when people were coming up to me and being like, oh my gosh, you're pregnant. Aren't you so excited? Well, yeah, because she was planned and I manifested her and I wanted her, but I felt like I wanted to kill myself. And that's not even an exaggeration. Like I was like, my life is ending. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do with work? What am I going to do with social, my social life? Like my life is ending. And I was so depressed. And then it passed in my second trimester, but when she was born, everything came back. And I remember Mm. day three postpartum telling my midwife um, that I was just like, this is wrong. Like, this is not the baby blues. This is so much more. I need help. And I was told that it was just normal to feel like that, that I was going to get through it, that everything was fine. Um, and for the next seven months, I was looking for help everywhere and everyone was telling me that it was totally normal to have panic attacks every day, to be sobbing all the time, that this was just part of being a mother. But in my heart, I knew it wasn't. Um, and also... I felt an immense amount of guilt that no matter how clean I ate, I wasn't eating any gluten, sugar, no alcohol, no coffee, like Mm. just organic fruits and vegetables, taking all the most beautiful supplements, doing yoga every day. I was fitter than I've ever been in my life after just having a baby. I was like six pack, like so fit. And Mm -hmm. I was just like, nothing's working. So then I felt like I can't tell people that fruits and vegetables are going to make everything better for them anymore because that's not the case. So that was another moment in life where I was like, I can't do this. I, I can't do this anymore. I need to do something different. And I fully surrendered to the universe. And I said, okay, here's the, here's the deal. I'm staying home with my daughter. I'm taking care of her that's it. Like I'm working for myself. I'm bringing in an income and I'm taking care of her and I'm raising her. So whatever that looks like, 
just show me the way, but there's no negotiating on that. Like I will not bend on that. I'm not putting her into daycare. And so Mm -hmm. my gifts of my abilities, my energetic gifts started coming out again more and more and more. I was receiving messages for people. I was having very vivid dreams. I was meeting my daughter's spirit guides. Her journey in itself is a whole nother thing that we could talk about another time. But mm-hmm. she, her coming into my life was such a force. Like I, I was just opening up to energy in an entirely different way. And for the first time in my life, seeing it as purposeful, like seeing like, okay, this is all happening. It was like, I could see the puzzle pieces aligning, but not exactly understanding what to do with them. Um, Mm -hmm. and then as I was able to put them together, that's around the time that I got help and found a doctor who was like, no, this isn't normal. You're not supposed to feel like you're afraid of everything and that you can barely on the outside. I had it together. Like I was, I looked good. I was fit. I was getting everything done. Like on the outside, it looked like I had it together, but on the inside, he's like, you're not supposed to feel like you're falling apart every day and you're Mm -hmm. not supposed to be like on the floor crying every night and not feel like I didn't feel like I could take care of her. I was so overwhelmed. Was it more like you feeling terrible in yourself? Was there anything around, um, around, like not wanting her or did, you know, like I, it goes both, you know, different, sometimes I've spoken to different women who like, are like, Oh my God, I hated my child versus I just, I couldn't get off the floor. It was never that when I first had her, I felt this, um, animal instinct connection to her and like, I needed to protect her, but I also resented her. And so like, I wouldn't let anyone else hold her and except for my husband. And I, I wouldn't let anyone else like do anything for her. Like I was just like, she's mine. I'm taking care of her. But I also was very resentful of the fact that I couldn't go out in the evening or it was a weird thing, but it only lasted for about six weeks, the very, very, about five weeks, the beginning stages. And then it was this deep love, like just this deep, 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 passionate love for her, which is all I remember really, except for that tiny little time. Um, it was, so it was more so of just like, I was obsessed with numbers and not getting sleep and, not being able to fall asleep because I was obsessed with sleep. And it was just like this constant struggle in my head. Um, and when I finally found a doctor that was like, no, you're, you're normal to have this amount of anxiety. It wasn't depression. It was anxiety or like a lot of people go through this and I'm not telling you you're normal and that you have to go through this. I'm telling you that it's, that it's, that you're going to be okay and that you will get through this. And, um, he put me on a very mild dose of medication, but I do want to really, really say that the dose doesn't matter. I've since talked to a lot of doctors Mm -hmm. and the dose doesn't matter. My dose was just mild, but the dose doesn't matter. And so I shouldn't even say a dose, but he put me on a medication and, um, that was when I was able to start really putting one foot in front of the next and 
working with purpose as opposed to just like Mm -hmm. busying and like like running around, I was actually able to be like understanding the messages I was getting, understanding the guidance I was Mm. receiving. And I kept being told like you start a podcast, start a podcast. So I started a podcast a year ago, January 8th, 2018. And it was supposed to be about healthy living and like vegan eating, even though that wasn't what I was passionate about at all anymore. But I was like, that's what I've been doing. That's what I write about. That's what it's going to be. But then Mm. it was just so synchronistic of the guests that I had on and the topics that were coming up that my second episode ended up being called things I have to tell you. And I just told my entire community, like I've been psychic from the time I was a child. This is how I am. This is what the show is going to be about. It's about exploring this. I hope that you still stick around. I believe this is a huge part of wellness and being well within yourself and confident in who you are and owning who you are. And then um, through the podcast, I met this woman named Morgan Yakis, who ended up being a guest on the show. And she introduced me to the Akashic Records in a phone call one day. Mm. She was like, you need to check this out because this is the missing piece of your puzzle. This is what's going to change your life. And she was right. I got a book that day. I read half of it. I didn't even finish the book. I went into the records for the first time and it was wow, the same kind of energy as giving birth. Like it it was like a volcano. I was, I was like, my life has changed forever. I found my thing. And oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And so two months later, I launched my practice and I've never had a free appointment. Like my guides have told me that they don't book me up like months, 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 months in advance because they're like, we're working at a pace with you where you can figure out what you're going to do with this because it's still all so new. So it's like, we book you for a few months. We book you for a few months. We book you for a few months, um, which is really wonderful. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's still such a journey because it hasn't even been Mm -hmm. a full year, but that's basically how all of this happened. That is so crazy. (laughs) I I can't believe it's been less than a year. That is so wild. Uh-huh. I is. love this story. Thank you. Okay, so before we yeah, before <laughs> we go um before we go um like really into the Akashic records and things, I want to go back a bit more into um if you don't mind into your experience um more of your experience around what was actually happening physically um or mentally, you know, whatever, whatever you were experiencing um through your postpartum anxiety, because me personally, I'm not a mother. I'm not even close to being a mother, but, um, not yet anyway. And I've heard so much about postpartum depression and I haven't heard so much about postpartum anxiety. So I'd love to know more about like what your symptoms were, how that was showing up for you. And, um, we'll start there. Yeah, for sure. I want to share with anyone who's listening to this and may think like, maybe I'm going through something. Maybe I feel off or since I've had my baby, I feel off or I'm pregnant and I feel off. I have an episode on my podcast with a doctor named Dr. Catherine Berndorf and she is the founder of the mother, I think it's called the mother center in New York city. 
Um, and she does a ton of work around, she calls it perinatal, perinatal mood disorders. So it's not just postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety. It's a wide range of what you feel when the hormones enter and exit your body, which is completely normal and natural. And that episode is very informative and she just gives so much information. She's also been on the Goop podcast. That's how I found her. So there's two episodes to listen to. Um, But I was feeling the the postpartum... The moment I had her, I was just like, my life has changed. Like, how am I going to work? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? That's apparently very normal. Plus around day three, your hormones take a gigantic dip and that's apparently Mm -hmm. a hard day for everybody. I was just sobbing pretty much that whole day, but that's apparently very normal because you, you're, you like, you create a human inside of your body. It's pretty big. And then all of those hormones have to leave. Um, and then but I started to become fearful and I started pumping breast milk, I think on day five, because not because I wanted to give her a bottle because I didn't want to give her a bottle. I want like, I, I wanted to just breastfeed her, but I said to my husband, like, I'm her lifeline. What if something happens to me? So I started to get very fearful that something was going to happen mm. to me. So I was obsessed with pumping. I had so much frozen milk in our freezer that, and then I would always go to the freezer and I would count it and I would count the ounces and being like, okay, so there's so and so many ounces that approximately equals so and so many meals. So if something happens to me, she's good for X amount of time. And then I'd be like, okay, I need to pound more. And it also was like, um, keeping track of how many hours she was sleeping and how many hours I was sleeping and Googling how many hours a, I don't know, two month old baby is supposed to sleep. And then like matching it and be like, Hey, she got one hour less sleep or two hours more sleep or something. I was very good about not saying good, bad, that doesn't matter, but I didn't follow any like apps or anything like that. I followed her, which I have continued to do like let her naturally wake and naturally sleep and naturally eat and everything. But I was always, if she wasn't sleeping enough, I thought that she was going to like break or something. And Mm -hmm. I was barely sleeping. Like if I, I was always afraid that I wasn't going to fall asleep. And then if I don't fall asleep, I won't have energy to take care of her tomorrow morning. And then I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I would lie awake crying, like sobbing and having panic attacks and like running around my house and my newborn infant would be sleeping soundly. And then I would be upset with myself that I wasn't taking this time to sleep. And it was just a, it, it was like, I couldn't settle. I was just so worried about so much that was so little, like it it was, Mm -hmm. there was, it's anxiety. There's no reasoning to it. And I remember Mm -hmm. putting it online one day and being like, I'm really anxious and I'm trying ashwagandha and it's doing nothing. And I'm eating all these herbs and they're doing nothing. And I don't know what to do and nothing's working. And then another mother wrote to me and said, if you have anxiety, it shows you're a good mother because you're worried about your child's well-being." Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. So being a mother is terrible because I feel like a 
dead version of my old self. Like this is horrible, Mm -hmm. but I guess this is normal. And so I started to just think this is how mothers feel. Like why are, why is everyone lying? Why is everyone lying? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. until I got help. Like, honestly, now I'm like, it is the, like within 24 hours of taking my first dose of medication. And I'm not saying everyone needs medication. That's not it at all. There's different treatment plans for everybody, like Mm -hmm. everybody. But the moment I started to participate in the treatment plan that was suitable for me, I instantly within 24 hours felt like myself. And I was just like, it was like, Mm -hmm. there was like a chromosome missing or something. It was put back in place. And I'm still breastfeeding up to 12 times a day. My daughter is a fiend. She doesn't want to stop. And there is a couple of times where I've been like, maybe I don't need the medication anymore. And I've gone two, Mm -hmm. three days without it. And I'm able to now tell myself this is anxiety. I sleep fine. I'm able to totally manage it, but my heart races and I feel irritable and I feel upset. And so I've just told myself my body has changed entirely since having a baby because this wasn't how I was before. Although I now know I did have anxiety before. I just didn't know what that looked like. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I resonate with that too. Um, so do you, um, do you think that, do you plan to go off the medication ever? I don't have any rules on myself right now. And that's something that I had to give myself. My steps are once she's finished breastfeeding and those hormones have left my body Apparently it takes an entire Mm. year after you're no longer nursing for your body to go back to just being yourself. So when my body is not working for her anymore and I can completely be me, Mm -hmm. then I will start to look at that but I don't have any judgments or expectations or hopes or anything. And sometimes my brain does go there. And then my husband has to remind me, look at what you've done in a year. Like, look at what you've built in Mm. a year. Look what you've been able to do in a year. And this is because you're Mm -hmm. taking care of yourself. And I was like, yeah, that's true. And he's like, don't give yourself like a deadline as to when you're going to all of a sudden not take care of yourself. He's like, "This, this looks differently for everyone. And what I've learned in the records too is that as our lives change and as our energy changes, they always say as your energy shifts and changes, your body has to change too to carry that energy. And so sometimes your body physically looks different. Sometimes it feels different. But as you move and as you shift and your energy changes, you must also adapt to those changes. And so that's kind of my, my guiding force right now. Like as my body changes, then I'll adapt to those changes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's so interesting because we, I'm not sure if we said this when we were recording or before, I think it was before, but, um, so frequently, you know, as I've been kind of diving into my spiritual world, I've, I've heard or been told or whatever it is so many times, like, uh, you know, medication can often like interfere with your gifts or whatever that is. And as I'm kind of exploring what my gifts are, I've had like hesitations because I was on medication for a little while and now I'm not. And I definitely forced myself off of mine sooner than I should have, because I felt like I was supposed to, or that I needed to, because again, same thing. It was like, not same thing, but feeling like this, 
this pressure to that I wasn't supposed to be on it for societal reasons or for spiritual reasons. So you're such an amazing example of kind of breaking that thought form for anyone else who might have that or have uh, might have heard that because it's quite the opposite for you. <laughs> yeah, it really it really has been and I mean, I had shame about the medication, but I told people right away, like I remember the day that I put up a post on Instagram, I deleted it a couple days later because it looked manic. Um, (laughs) I remember putting it up right after I um, got medication for the first time and I was like, I've had panic attacks, I've had this, I've had that. And it was more to so to the vegan community because I was just like, listen guys, like the message shouldn't be that plants fix and heal all. Of course, it is a benefit to your health and the most natural way of living as possible as possible is, is always the goal and lifestyle is everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But just because you have something like this going on doesn't mean you did something wrong or doesn't mean right. that you're not doing enough. Like we are so complicated. We only use a certain very small percentage of our brain we don't know how to even tap into all of our energy. We don't know the energies that are going on around us. Like it is so complicated that if you need some help that we are so blessed to have, why wouldn't you take that? And then what I say to women and men who write to me in private, like in DMs or emails that are like, well, I want to become a Reiki healer or something, but I'm so anxious how do you even deal with medication? Like, how does it not block you? And I'm like, no, it helps you open up. And like we were saying before we started recording, when you're going through anxiety or depression or obsessive compulsive disorder or some kind of mood disorder, it feels like there's a dark cloud over your head all the time. And every Mm -hmm. thing you're doing takes so much effort And medication just clears away those clouds so that your light can shine through. And it's as simple Mm -hmm. as that. And of course, there's something to be said about over-medicating and taking things you don't Mm -hmm. need. But that's a discussion between you and your doctor, not you and Instagram or you and societal pressures. Totally. That's like everyone is on their own journey. And it's not... What the records have also told me is that everything is neutral. Nothing is right nor wrong. Nothing is good nor Mm -hmm. bad. That's our own judgment Mm -hmm. placed on it. And so when Mm -hmm. you look at it as just a neutral action, like this is going to help me and therefore I am going to feel better. And therefore I'm going to tell myself that this is a good decision. That's my judgment Mm -hmm. on it because I feel good. We don't take Mm -hmm. care of our minds. We take care of every other part of our bodies. And yet we have so much expectation around our minds, just working Mm -hmm. a certain way. I could go off on this forever, but (laughs) I really think that I'm, I mean, I'm really, I'm really proud to be someone who is working in alignment with my energetic gifts and my purpose and also being on medication. And at this moment in time, it allows me to do it even better. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I, I wouldn't be doing this work. I can say that with absolute guarantee if I hadn't started taking medication, I would still be like, oh my gosh, there were days where I wanted to run away from my family and never come back. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't, I would be with my family still, but I would be in pretty rough shape. 
Well, I think that's something that people often forget in in like nutritious nutrition communities or vegan communities or spiritual communities is you know, when we're like, oh, like spirituality can fix anything and like your diet can fix anything. It's like, okay, that is maybe true to an extent for some people. So that goes to the rule of like, first of all, everyone's different, but also chemical imbalances are very real. They're very real. And there's certain things perhaps like pregnancy or something that can happen that, that, that just, you know, you're, I mean, I don't know, I'm not a doctor, so I can't really go into exactly what happens, but like, there's so many things that, that can, you know, just change the way that we function or change the trajectory of our lives. And, and, and if medication helps you, then like, why the hell not? Exactly. Like, why the hell not? Like I drink celery juice every single morning because I also learned about that in the records and then medical media started talking about it and then it was like oh blown my God, up on the internet. Amazing. Yeah. So it's like, it's the, the guides are telling us to do it, but I drink that every morning because it makes my skin look really, really good. And I can eat chocolate without breaking out. So why wouldn't I take medication so that my head feels good? Like, why do we put yeah. so much more pressure on something than not the other? And totally, it's also the only medication I take, but what if I needed to take other medications and food just wasn't doing it? Like, Yeah. They're just, it's all about the balance. It's like, you don't want to trash your body with alcohol and cigarettes and fast food and then take medication for your cholesterol. Like that's irresponsible. Mm -hmm. I'll just say Mm -hmm. it, but Mm -hmm. it's all a journey and it's all a process. So even if that's the place where you're at right now, just know that they're it's all, it's all a process. Like it's all steps. So giving yourself that, that love and that acceptance and that appreciation and that forgiveness. And mm-hmm. this is why I do the work that I do to support people to return to themselves because we're all at a different place. We're all at a different, a different moment and we all have different work to do, but just showing ourselves that kindness and giving ourselves what we need to get that work done. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Were there any other, um, healing modalities that you sought out that you felt helped you or was it just medication that you were, that you were needing? Um, well, medication combined with everything, medication combined with meditation, with daily yoga. Um, I started getting Reiki done but not like while all of that was happening, like while, when I first went on medication, I did, um, massage, I did breath work. I did like, I saw an Ayurvedic doctor. Um, I took all these different herbs. Like I was doing things that I thought were going to help, but they didn't. Um, Mm. so then I did medication with yoga and meditation. And then about a year later, I started receiving Reiki and marma treatments and marma um it's a very ancient form of healing where they t- the the practitioner touches on these energy points in your body and um encourages life flow through your body prana flow um, mm. and I think there's only a handful of people in the world who do it. And there's just this, there's this woman in my city who doesn't, she's like an angel on the wow. planet, but she trains people and she, she's training people in Los Angeles how to do it. Um, and so that's what I do now, like between meditation, 
yoga, walking. I was always walking every single day outside for like when Mm -hmm. my daughter was an infant, I would strap her on my chest and walk like Mm -hmm. 10 kilometers a day, just being outside, getting fresh air. So yeah, Mm -hmm. like it's, it's, it's all the things. It's not just one thing. It's not just medication. It's not just meditation. It's everything working together. Yeah. So let's talk about the Akashic Records because I had heard of them before. So before um, this podcast, Ashley read my records. Um, Is that, yeah, you read my records. That's what you call it, right? Is that how you say it? Yeah. (laughs) Um, So can you explain what they are and what it is that you do? Yeah. So the Akashic Records are a complete vibrational history of every emotion, thought, experience, everything that your soul has gone through from the moment your soul was created up until the present moment. And then they also include future possibilities. And I'm very clear on the word possibilities because free will is our biggest lesson. We have free will always. So we can make decisions and that can change our future in the drop of a hat. So when I'm doing readings and I say, this is a future possibility, it can change the moment we hang up. So, um, but that's what they are. They're not an actual physical book that I read. I go into meditation and I channel these records, which these records are, they're, um, vibrational. I feel the energy of them. Um, And I channel light beings that are called the masters, teachers, and loved ones. And so these are the energies that I receive, but I also channel angels and deceased family members and spirit guides. Um, Just today I did a reading and I channeled the Palladians, like the stars. Um, So all kinds of energies come through my readings. I can't speak for all Akashic Record readers, but my readings end up being so much more than just the Akashic Records. There's quite a bit going on in them. Um, And yeah, that's what they are. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how does so it's actually funny that you bring up the free will thing I feel like I have to and my friends who are who are I'm very experimental and I like try a lot of things and I s- see a lot of people and I I'm certainly wary of who I go to and who I talk to but um a friend of mine today just earlier today we were talking about free will and she was like well how do you trust that person when you know she said that she saw something for you but it didn't happen and I'm like because free will is 100% a thing and I think that a lot of people don't get that or they don't really understand it. I think the free will thing is really interesting because we 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 do have free will and things can change and we ultimately have the the choice, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm curious about I, I would love for you to talk a little bit more about that. Have you did you receive so you said the, that free will is our greatest lesson? Yeah, that What exactly does that mean? That came to me in a download. So every morning I go into my Akashic Records when I'm in the shower. Any mother listening oh, wow. will understand that your times when you're alone are I don't have a lot of time alone. So like mm-hmm. I co-sleep with my daughter. Um, so I'm with her all the time. And then when I wake up in the morning and I shower, that's part of my time alone. And then her nap time, I work and then I put her to bed and I either work or do yoga or meditate or like I have a couple of hours of time of mine. Um, 
so I, I, I channel in the shower. So I call them my, I just called them my Akashic shower sessions because it's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. But I go into the Akashic records when I'm in the shower and I just open up and say, what do I need to know today? And what can I share with the collective today? Like, give me a message. Like, what do people need to hear today? And one of the messages that came through the other day was that your blueprint is given Um, Your energetic blueprint is given, but your free will is your lesson. So you come into this life with a blueprint. You choose your parents. You choose the time you're born. You choose your location. You choose the teachers that are in your life. You come through with the lessons you want to learn, the karmas you maybe want to work on. Like You come through with all of this stuff, but then free will is your lesson. So there's certain energetic blueprint points that cannot be changed. Like your parents, where you're living, where you're growing up, like Mm -hmm. these things cannot be Mm -hmm. changed, but you choose your lessons. Those lessons are in your blueprint. Free will is your biggest lesson. Are you going to learn that lesson in this life? Or are you going to leave it and learn it in the next life? Like you Mm -hmm. have this blueprint that you come in with (laughs) and then you choose what you're going to do with some of it. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's intense. It is. That is a lot. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It is. But it also, what I should say to are the, the guides, like the masters, teachers, and loved ones are so loving and so supportive and so forgiving there. Some of them are with you from the moment you take your first breath. Some of them are with you from the moment your soul was created. So they've gone through hundreds of lifetimes with you and they, they, they're with you to help you along the way. Like, it's not like they're here to judge you or they're here to, um, tell you you're doing things wrong. They want you to, ascend and leave this Mm -hmm. physical body. They want you to ascend into your next thing, whatever that is. Maybe you're a star, maybe you're, I don't know. I don't know. Um, and so (laughs) these lessons, again, everything is neutral. So maybe, maybe some of the lessons you're not ready to learn. Like when you, when I had my birth chart read just, Oh, two weeks ago for the first time, my astrological birth chart, I was told the lessons that I'm ready to learn in this lifetime, which I loved the language that the reader used. She said, these are the lessons you're ready to learn in this lifetime. I have no idea if she looked at my birth chart and saw a whole bunch of lessons or if those were just the ones that came through. I don't know, but there were only two or three. And she was like, these are the lessons you're ready to learn in this lifetime. Now, of course, it's still my own free will, what I'm going to do with those lessons, but we're not judged if we're going to pass them on. Like if we're like, we're going to take those lessons, I'm going to take them for the next lifetime round. Like that's, that's too much. I can't work on that right now. I don't want to, we're not told you did a bad job or it it just carries over. Like it's this forever Mm -hmm. long journey. Mm hmm. So, um, tell me now, what is, what are your days like? Like, what is your routine like for self-care for how you stay centered and grounded in, in your work, in your, for your daughter, for your husband, you know, what are your, do you have practices, daily practices? Um, yeah, well, the shower sessions are one of them for sure. Cause it, um, like in the shower, I'm so grounded. I'm so, I don't do it every day. Like some days I wake up and my mind's in a million places and I just can't get to that 
place, which is fine. But for the most part, Mm -hmm. I do it. And so I'm very grounded in that moment and I'm very calm. I move at a snail's pace, like through the day. Like I am, I'm really slow and I work really fast, but my daughter and I have such a slow schedule. So like Mm -hmm. there's a reason she's not in daycare. She's exactly like me. She'd be late every day. Um, we just, play, we eat breakfast, we do whatever we want. We go for walks. Maybe we go to the park. Then she goes down for her nap and then I power and work. Then I'm fast. And like, I get as much work done as I can. Um, I'm in the, the master's teachers and loved ones told me I'm in the incubation of creation. So that's what they said in one of my sessions. That's exciting. I know I'm <laughs> forming a bunch of work right now for, um, my business because my goal this year is to take me to we like I want to both in the work that I do it's not just me and one person it's like collective offerings and then I also want to build a team so that I can do even more because I always feel like I have so much I want to do and there's so little time it's either hiring staff or hiring a nanny and I don't want to hire a nanny so Mm -hmm. um, I power through while she's napping and get a lot of stuff done and then in the afternoon we play do whatever we want to do my husband comes home from work um, and eat dinner and then put her to bed. And then in the evening, I usually do yoga, um, just at home or I go to a studio sometimes. Um, I journal, I'm a really big fan Mm. lately of the, to be magnetic, um, Mm -hmm. workshops. I'm working through a bunch of those right now. Um, doing some Kundalini meditations, some chanting and working. Like I don't have a ton of time to work and a lot of stuff I want to get done. I'm grateful that my husband works with me a lot and he's, um, I don't know when this is airing, so I can't say, but he, he'll be working with me, um, even more soon. Um, and that's so exciting. Yeah. So that's That's so fun. I mean, I have a really quiet, slow life when we're at home. We have been in LA a lot frequently and we're going again in March for, or sorry, for uh, February for half the month just because we're manifesting a move there. So we do a lot of work yeah. there, but yeah. Amazing. Do you, so you just mentioned, um, Lacey of, well, when I interviewed her, it was free and native and she just changed the business name to, to be magnetic. Um, so I like to ask if there is anything tangible, like if there are, so you mentioned Lazy's workshops, um, you love, and I do as well, but were there any, or even in the past, have there been any books that you recommend that really like touched you, um, or teachers or doctors or anything like that, that you can recommend to, to someone? Um, well for the postpartum anxiety, Dr. Catherine Berndorf's work for sure. Like that episode Mm. I did with her, her episode on Goop podcast. And then I don't know if she has articles out or anything, but just the conversation I had with her, the episode I listened to on Goop and then the conversation I had with her was like mind blowing for me. Cause it was like, I'm wow. normal. And I know that it was for a lot of women. I received the most heartfelt messages that like made me cry oh. of women saying, I was going to take my life this weekend. And I heard this podcast 
and I'm going to take medication now. Like it was women who were actually at the point of taking, of of ending it all, of being like, Mm. I can't be a mom anymore. I've been in my room for days or I've been locked in my basement and I'm not coming out and I'm not doing it. Like it was, Oh my God. I know. Like I have, I have shivers thinking about it again. So it's, it it was huge. Um, and then, you know, tangible things I would say are just, and I'm going to use the records for this. Like they say to write love letters to yourself, um, Mm. as if you're writing to somebody else, but you're writing to yourself and you're admiring yourself for the things you've done in that day. You're admiring yourself for the gifts you have. If you feel like you have absolutely nothing to write, you got up that day, you got dressed. Like when you're in such a dark place, some of these things are huge accomplishments. Like you got your groceries today. You made a meal today. Like depending on where you're at, maybe you're in a place where you're like, I, these are the things that I love about myself that people don't know about me yet, but one day they will. Like the, they always say to write love letters to yourself and to appreciate yourself. And even if nobody is reading them yet, writing them about yourself. Um, and then I would say spending more time for yourself. And this doesn't mean scrolling on Instagram. This doesn't mean tuning out on Netflix. This means doing something that you like. And maybe Mm -hmm. what you like is going for a walk. Maybe what you like is reading a book. Like maybe what you... I don't know, just doing things for yourself that light you up and bring you happiness, not based on your own judgment. Like my husband loves to play video games sometimes, like this like soccer video game, this FIFA video game. And sometimes he's like, well, I shouldn't be playing it. I should be doing work. I should be doing that. I should be doing that. And I'm like, well, no, this is your enjoyment. This is your pleasure. Like you need your pleasure as well. So doing these things that make you feel happy without any attention any judgment on it. Mm-hmm. Um, because that also allows you to return to yourself. Like that allows you to return to who you are when you're feeding yourself with things that light you up, when you're saying no to things that don't light you up, like saying that was a huge thing for me, clearing my world of things that don't make me happy, saying no to commitments that don't make me happy, not engaging with friendships that were energetically draining me where I was like, Mm. I'm giving 80%, they're giving 20%. Backing away from stuff like this and really valuing your own energy and your own self because the more you take care of yourself and return to yourself in that way, the more you will see the benefit and your strength coming back. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So my next, or I guess my last question actually was going to ask you what's been your biggest lesson through all of this, but you did just, you just gave me quite a few actually, but do you have, um, do you have a lesson that you feel like has been your greatest through your mental health experience? To trust myself. Um, I am my own healer. And yes, I lean on a doctor right now for some assistance. I lean on some other people for their support. Of course. But I am my own healer. And from day three, when I was postpartum, I knew something was wrong. And I told people, and people told me, no, you're okay. You're okay. You're okay. And my biggest lesson has been to not put my faith and trust into other people for my own well-being. That's another thing I've learned from the records is that a doctor can tell you 
what's good for you and tell you how you feel, but you know inside what resonates with you and what does not resonate with you. And like you said, you went off your medication based on societal pressures that you felt within yourself, but deep down in yourself, you knew you still needed it. So trusting Mm. yourself and trusting that voice with inside of yourself, because those are your masters, teachers, and loved ones from your Akashic records. That inner wisdom, that inner guidance, that intuition, all of that, that is your Akashic records. That's your guidance. Those are your guides talking to you. And the more you respond to that and tune into that, the more supported you'll feel and the stronger you'll feel. And you'll be able to stand up for yourself and be able to have that kind of confidence. And that's very, very hard to do when you're in a place of mental darkness. It really, really, Mm -hmm. really is. So having someone in your life that you can lean on, if you have nobody in your life, in Mm -hmm. your physical life, maybe there's someone online, maybe there's, maybe there's someone in, I don't know, there's someone that you can lean on just to, to talk to and to be like, am I going crazy? Like what, like what, like my husband was there advocating for me with me. I like, I, he's just the greatest man on the planet because he Mm. was such an, he always gave me my voice, but then would support me. So when I felt like I was fighting against a wall being like, we called crisis workers in our house one time because I had been having a panic attack since like five in the morning and they came over and they were like, no, you're fine. You're just tired. I was like, well, no kidding. I'm tired, but I'm not (laughs) fine. So yeah trusting yourself and trusting your inner voice because you know you know when something is wrong and you know when something Mm -hmm. is not wrong so just listening to yourself Mm -hmm. so for anyone who is listening who is resonating with what you're saying and who wants to maybe have their records uh read how can um anyone how can our listeners get in touch with you Yes, for sure. So I have a website where you can book a reading and also check out the life work that I offer. Um, There's going to be more and more of it coming throughout the year. Um, And that's www.ashleywood.life. I am at underscore Ashley Wood on Instagram. And then my podcast is, I guess, an extension of me where (laughs) this year in season two, we're going to be talking about pivoting and returning back to yourself. So we're going to be talking about all of that kind of inner work and those decisions and those journeys. Um, And the show is called Manifest This and the website is manifestthisshow.com. And then lastly, there is a group on Facebook called Manifest This Soul Circle. And it's a group for people who want to talk about spirituality or any of these questions that they have or any of these curiosities and learn from each other and have that support system. And maybe you don't have someone in your life to talk to about it, or maybe you just feel kind of weird talking to your friends about it, or maybe you don't at all. And you just want to build a spiritual community. There are people from all around the world Mm -hmm. in that group. Um, so definitely come and join it. It's private. So anything you say stays in the group, you're safe there. It's supported. And I would love to have you. We would love to have you. (laughs) Well, that's so amazing. I'm so excited to see what you continue doing considering where you've gone in under a year. Yeah. Or in a year. I don't know how far, however far, however long it's been. Yeah. I mean, it's not been long, which is incredible. Yeah. So 
thank you so much for coming on and for talking about this and for it's a such an important conversation and you know every story every person that I speak to is different and yours is so unique but I think so powerful so thank you for sharing you're welcome and thank you so much for having me Kelly and for giving me this opportunity to speak with your community and share I'm really really grateful and thank you for the work that you're doing thank you Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Joan. I've put all information from this episode in the show notes. So if you forgot to write down the name of a book or a doctor, you can find it there. I want to thank my editor, Clay Carnell, who has been so patient with me. I want to thank Mike Lachome for providing the theme music that he so beautifully and thoughtfully created. I want to thank Jen Perron for creating our amazing logo. And I want to thank all of you for listening. Thank you so much, truly from the bottom of my heart.